let it carry you along and draw out your joy. And then also <laughs> let it tug at your heartstrings, actually. I think it's supposed to get in deep and stir our hearts. This is the Daily Still Podcast for Friday, December 22nd. I'm Virginia Allen, and that was Hillsdale College Professor of English, Dwight Lindley. Dr. Lindley has just completed a course at Hillsdale on Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. He joins us on the show today to share the history of A Christmas Carol, who Dickens' primary audience was when he wrote it, and how biblical themes of faith are woven throughout the story. And I honestly could not think of a better conversation to have just three days before Christmas. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it talking to Dr. Lindley. So stay tuned for our conversation after this. Hi, this is Rob Louie, executive editor of The Daily Signal and co-host of this podcast. Each day we strive to bring you news you can trust. We see it as our mission to cut through the liberal media spin and provide honest, thorough and responsible reporting on the most important issues of the day. But we can't do it without your help. As we approach the end of the year, The Daily Signal is counting on donations from listeners like you. We are the nonprofit news outlet of the Heritage Foundation and rely on generous gifts from our supporters. Please help us by making a tax-deductible year-end gift. You can do so by visiting dailysignal.com donate. Your gift will ensure that we continue producing cutting-edge journalism and investigative reporting. Again, that website is dailysignal.com donate. Thanks for listening. We are grateful for your support. It is my honor today to be joined by Hillsdale College Professor of English, Dwight Lindley. Professor Lindley, Dr. Lindley, thank you so much for being with us today. Happy to be here, Virginia. Thank you. Well, Dr. Lindley, you just finished teaching a course at Hillsdale on A Christmas Carol. And as I mentioned before we started today, I think that sounds like the perfect college course. And I certainly wish that my university had offered a course like this. What is known about the history behind, uh, behind Dickens deciding to write A Christmas Carol? What do we know about that history? Sure. It's an interesting question. He he wrote it in 1843, and that year, a big report came out uh, in London about the effects of the Industrial Revolution in England and, and how all these people had moved to the cities and were living in squalid conditions. There were little kids working in factories and all of, all of the things that people have probably heard at least some about. Some things about um, some of the the worst, you know, early stages of industrial revolution. Dickens read this report and was um, shocked by it. He really loved walking around London, especially the poor parts of London. Would walk for miles. So, so he wanted to write something that would call people to to attention about this, to to, to thinking about this. What what do we need to do? And uh, he at first thought of writing a pamphlet, but then later decided actually a work of imaginative fiction would make a, a way bigger difference. And then it kind of clicked with him that I need to write, I need to set this at Christmas time. Christmas has to have something to do with this. Mm. And who was Dickens' audience? Oh, well, by that time, he was a very popular novelist already. He had had several 
best sellers at that point. And so he was a household name, even though he was a relatively young man, you know, he was what, 31 years old at the time. He was already a well-known writer and had an audience um, already, <laughs> you know, well established. whatever he wanted to yeah. say. Um, he also wrote journalism frequently. And so he, he's a prolific guy with, with a, a good audience already. Mm. Well, it, it's a story that has, you know, really taken on a life of its own in many ways. In America, I think every, you know, almost every home watches A Christmas Carol, one of the iterations of A Christmas Carol around sure. Christmas time. In my family, our favorite is A Muppet's Christmas Carol. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but as you, I know, have, have pointed out in, in the teaching on, on A Dickens Christmas Carol, is that so many of the films, while beautiful, they do miss some of the core tenets and message that Dickens was really trying to portray in A Christmas Carol. What is the message that you think many of these movies fall short of fully capturing and that is maybe reason to pause and instead of just watching the movie this December, actually read the book? Right. Good question. I think the, the movies catch certain kinds of things and miss other kinds of things depending on some of it is about the medium. The medium doesn't lend itself to a lot of narration, the medium of film. Mm. And so while there are some uh, versions, actually like the Muppets, actually you catch a lot of Dickens's narrative voice mm. uh, because they have, I believe it's Gonzo yeah. <laughs> uh, narrating. It is. <laughs> and, and so they actually give us a lot of Dickens's own descriptions there, which are really rich. Um, and, Another thing that, uh, let's see, is frequently missed, I think, by the film versions is the the childlikeness mm. of the story. Part of the wonder about it is Scrooge has to learn how to be a child yeah, again as an old man. One of the reasons I would say people tend to miss that in the films, you know, Muppets aside, a lot <laughs> of the, a lot of the uh, TV and film adaptations – really lean more into the scary stuff mm -hmm. uh, and which, you know, which is there, but it's not a horror story, you know, mm -hmm. through, through these experiences, Scrooge becoming a child again. Okay. Okay. So that's connected to the, the last point I wanted to make, which I think gets to your question um, the most of all, which, which is that the, the story is about actual Christmas. It's, mm -hmm. it's actually about the incarnation of Christ in stave three, you know, the chapters are called staves in this book for like mm. musical staffs because it's a carol. It's a song mm. at the end of stave three, when he's being guided by the second ghost, the narrator says at one point, he's talking about this household, Fred, you know, the nephew Fred's family playing games together. And he says, they didn't devote the whole evening to music. After a while, they played at forfeits. For it is good to be children sometimes and never better than at Christmas when its mighty founder was a child himself. The idea that God became a child at Christmas, um, therefore, we all have to actually remember how to be children again in our own ways. That's what happens to, to Scrooge. Yeah. Um, and, and so he's actually becoming more 
he's actually coming to a place where he can meet God um, by mm. becoming a child. And mm. then the, the last thing that I think makes that even in clearer is uh, from stave four when he's with the third ghost, the ghost of Christmas yet to come. And he oversees the Cratchit family after a tiny Tim has, you know, in, in this imaginary future has died and they're reading the Bible together. And the oldest Cratchit boy, Peter Cratchit is reading the gospel. And he says, he reads this line and he took a child and set him in the midst of them. Okay. So this is a line from Mark chapter nine, verse 36. And Scrooge is sitting there listening to this, overhearing it. And the narrator says, where had Scrooge heard those words? He had not dreamed them. The boy must have read them, read them out as he and the spirit crossed the threshold. Why did he not go on? And so the narrator there is, is actually subtly prodding us to, to wonder what is the next line? What's the next verse? And this is a, a much more biblically literate audience that Dickens is writing for mm -hmm. than one we live in. And so he's prodding people to think, what is the next line? The next line, if you look um, from Mark 9.37 is, Whosoever shall receive one of such children in my name receiveth me. So I think for my money, that is at the heart of, this, of the, the novella. Yeah. It's a series of children getting put into the midst of, 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 well, into Scrooge's presence, but also really into the midst of all of us as we're reading this. It's a series of children, of poor, of widows, of orphans, of the least of these, getting put into uh, to the midst of us so that we can have the chance to receive them and in receiving them um, to receive to receive God, to, have, to encounter God. Mm. But I think he's trying to do that in a subtle way to yeah. um, represent the mystery of, of God coming to earth in, you know, in the least of these. I think this is so fascinating. Uh, and you're, you're right. I'm like that the language is so rich and it is a, a tragedy that we don't necessarily talk about that, that richness of language. Mm -hmm. When we talk about the, the Christmas carol and those beautiful uh, biblical and faith um, tenets that were worked into the story. And it, it's making me wonder, did Charles Dickens intend that as adults, when we read the story of the Christmas carol, that we would place ourselves in the position uh, of Scrooge and kind of take that self-examination of, you know, where have I maybe missed the spirit of Christmas, the spirit of faith in my life? Because I, I think for so many of us, we approach we approach the story of A Christmas Carol and specifically Scrooge as, well, I couldn't be that bad because he has been painted as sort of the villain in the story in some ways that then is turned around. Yeah. Um, but do, do you think that Dickens intended that when we when we heard the story that we would understand, no, somewhere in my life, maybe that is my personality, that that is my outlook on life is kind of the same as Scrooge. And let me examine that. That's a good question. Yeah, I think that I think that he does aim at that. And you can actually see this if you look at the the little bitty preface to the book. It's right before the first stave starts. 
um, Dickens said this, and this was there from the very first time this was published as a book. He, he says right before it starts, I have endeavored in this ghostly little book to raise the ghost of an idea which shall not put my readers out of humor with themselves and with each other, with the season or with me. May it haunt their house pleasantly and no one wish to lay it. Um, and, and so <laughs> what he wants is for his book to be a, uh, a ghostly presence to us mm. in the same way that these ghosts are, are, are there for Scrooge. Which means if you kind of work it out, the same thing that the ghosts in the story are doing for Scrooge, he wants to do for us with this book, you know. Yeah. So it's exactly what you're talking about. Very and, fascinating. And, and he's really encouraging us to have this book carry us back into our past and, and of course, into our present and future also hmm. as Scrooge is, is carried there. I mean – it doesn't really take that much work to realize how much like Scrooge we are. I mean, he, he's basically a workaholic who is um, so caught up in material concerns that he has a hard time seeing other people. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, many, many, many people Yeah, in the and, world today. And it happens without they're even realizing it, which is what yeah. happens to Scrooge. Scrooge doesn't know that that's what happened to him. It just happened without – without his realization. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And often you have a week where you really get in that place, right? You know, I, I think sure. we, we think of the, the strong caricature of the people that are always like that, but we have all had those days, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> right. Be a little bit Scrooge-like, yes. <laughs> right, or, or maybe a certain kind of relationship that, mm -hmm. we, that we have, mm. certain kinds of people that we tend to be blind to or we, we tend to be, wall ourselves off from. The difficult mm -hmm. people, you know, yeah, um, yeah, the 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 people who are actually poor, who need us in some annoying way. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. That that's very very real. Well, you also, I know, in the course, you you drew some some um, allusions to to Dante's Divine Comedy as well, and that there was parallels mm -hmm. in Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol with. Dante's work. Explain that a little bit, if you would. Oh, sure. Well, it, it's peculiar. Um, when Marley's ghost arrives in the first stave, um, one, he's he's wrapped up in in these uh, these chains that are composed out of old, like strong boxes and th lock boxes, and you know, um, there are, and you know, he's he's a money man, uh, formerly. <laughs> And so he's wrapped up with these symbols of his own vices, um, of his own sins, which is a Dante, like a Dantesque framework. You know, in Dante's hell, uh, famously, people are, sinners are punished by their own uh, ways of life. The, you know, the, the idea being that sin is its own punishment, <laughs> right? To go to hell. Mm. For Dante, and even really just kind of classically, go to hell is to be given the the life choices that you have already made, uh, and to be given them in perpetuity, and and uh, really be tormented by them. So, so Marley has that kind of um, 
that kind of poetic justice about his appearance that is Dantesque. And the other thing is he um, he doesn't actually seem to be from hell. <laughs> hmm. um, he has this kind of, uh, you know, he, he talks about suffering and yet he's there for Scrooge's good. Uh, this is the peculiar thing about it. Um, it's not it's not really clear where he comes from. You know, Dickens didn't really seem to have believed in purgatory. This was not something that was common to believe in <laughs> for 19th century British, uh, you know, largely Protestant um, people. Mm-hmm. But but all I'm saying is like this guy, <clears throat> this guy comes from an afterlife and um, where he's suffering for his uh, his sins on earth and he is focused on helping Scrooge avoid this himself. And so you know, it doesn't, you know, classically hell is someplace where you go and you, you're locked into your, into your, into your sin and your hatred and your unhappiness. It's not a place where you go to do good deeds or something. Yeah. Anyway, whatever we, whatever we make of that, it just sounds like, um, some some uh, Dantesque in between place that he's channeling. Hmm. Very fascinating. It's a little bit like purgatory, but, but I yeah. Don't know. yeah, no, it's fascinating to see those parallels. So as we sit down and we watch or we we read through the story of of Dickens' Christmas Carol this December, this Christmas season, what should be a few things that. We're keeping in mind and maybe a, a new set of glasses, if you will, that we wear as we as we read and watch the story. That's a good question. Um, I think my first advice would, would be to, to let it be funny. It's hmm. it's an absolutely hilarious book. And the the you want to if you're not feeling joy reading it, then you're not reading it. Really. Um, <laughs> hmm. It's something that is actually <laughs> meant to, to elicit your 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 cheer and to um, make you have fun, even when Scrooge is talking at the start. And you know, he's a what does it say? He's a he's an old he's a cussed old sinner, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and and all of these funny things that are that are said. Um, you know. What does he say to his nephew? He, he's talking about what a world of fools is this? You know, people celebrating Christmas. It's a time when you're paying bills without money and, and you know, you're finding yourself a year older and not an hour richer <laughs> and all of these complaints. And all of you guys should be um, boiled in your own pudding when buried with a stake of holly through your heart. <clears throat> okay, humbug. And all of this stuff even there where Scrooge is this kind of magnificent jerk, it's, it's actually kind of funny. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's, I, I, one of the things I argue in the lectures is Scrooge enjoys his own language so much that it's hard to hate him, right? Mm-hmm. You can look at him and say, well, that guy's, wow, that guy's a piece of work or, or that guy's messed up in this or that way. But, but you're not gonna fall asleep. And you can even enjoy him before his transformation really occurs. So, okay, my advice is really <laughs> to let it carry you along and 
draw out your joy. And then also <laughs> let it tug at your heartstrings, actually. I think it's supposed to get in deep and stir our hearts. I think sometimes people can feel like they know it so well, just like the gospel itself, quite frankly. Hmm. They feel like they know it so well that you just sort of turn off mm -hmm. um, and go into autopilot. But you don't know it. <laughs> just like you don't really know the infancy narratives in the gospel. Hmm. You have to, you know, with a good book, you want to let it read you. <laughs> yes. You know, and so that's, that's really the main reason I gave these lectures is to try to give people a fresh chance to take a new look, to open up some new doors, some new windows, so that it could be fresh and it could read us a little bit more and not just, have, you know, slip us into the old ruts. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. Well, Dr. Lindley, thank you for your time today. Thank you for that perspective for the history and Merry Christmas to you. I hope you have a wonderful Christmas and I hope that we all take a little bit of time this Christmas season to sit down to enjoy, to find joy in a Dickens Christmas Carol. Dr. Lindley, thank you for your time. Thank you, Virginia. It's my pleasure. Well, Merry Christmas to our Daily Signal family. This is our last interview edition before Christmas. We will not have a show on Monday. We won't have any shows on Monday as it is Christmas Day. We hope that you all are getting some wonderful quality time with family and friends, time to slow down, time to reflect on the reason for the season. We are looking forward, though, to next week starting Tuesday, bringing you the best of the best from 2023. We are looking back at our top shows from the year, and we're going to be sharing four different conversations with you starting next Tuesday through Friday. These are conversations that you loved, that we loved, and we are so excited to be looking back on them. If you want to give The Daily Signal a Christmas gift before the end of the year, if you would, Leave us a five-star rating and review. It really helps us across podcast platforms, both to hear your feedback, but then also just to spread the word to other listeners. But we hope that you have a wonderful and incredibly blessed Christmas from all of us here at the Daily Signal team. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of this family. We wouldn't be able to do what we do here without you. Have a very Merry Christmas. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. Executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kate Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen and Samantha Asheris. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. To learn more, please visit DailySignal.com.